Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking Today. Colin Lacey of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. How are you this morning, Colin? I'm good. How are you, Craig? I'm living the dream. If I was any better, I would be uh, not sitting at my desk right now, probably, and on a beach somewhere. But it's good. It's going to be in the high 70s today, so I'm kind of loving the weather. Uh, it's all good. But it's finally starting to get below 85 in Statesboro, so I think everybody's putting parkas on down here. Oh, man, I've got to look at the uh, the weather up in Liberty this weekend, which I haven't done. And then uh, Jay and I are headed over to Indiana for a basketball game against IU, then over to West Virginia for a, a basketball game against Marshall. So I'm going to be back in my old stomping grounds for about four days, and I'm not happy that it's going to be cold. Can't we go up there to play baseball? You know. So. I'll be for it. Yes, baseball is always good, as we talked about earlier. All right, let's talk about, um, give me a little insight. I know you had some time with Clay Helton, your new football coach, uh, former USC coach, but I don't know much about him outside of that. What, what's, what's it been like so far, and what's his history, I guess? Anything you can tell me? He's an absolute rock star, first and foremost. Uh, getting to spend a little bit of time with him the last week or so since he took not necessarily took over because he's not coaching on the field he said he respected the game and the coaching staff that was in place too much to be able to just come in and take everything over so he's focused mainly on recruiting and he said he feels like he's stealing some time being able to take over with four weeks to recruit to get ready for the December signing day and then also getting to kind of evaluate what he's got on the field as far as Georgia Southern's concerned but ever since the announcement came out that Georgia Southern had hired him, got started getting texts, and everybody on our crew was talking about it from everybody across the country, sending us messages of, hey, he's a great coach, but an even better person. And all of that is rung true. And when you talk about being a better person than a coach, this is somebody that has won a Rose Bowl, was a Pac-12 coach of the year at USC, was an interim coach at USC twice, then finally got the head job and so when you talk about somebody that has won a Rose Bowl coming to Statesboro and is about as fired up as you can be coming to Georgia Southern, I think it speaks volumes not only for what Georgia Southern football has as far as traditions and what the future looks like for the Eagles, but also what the conference looks like. And you and I have talked about it a couple of times, Butch Jones going to Arkansas State, the noise that Billy Napier is making down to Louisiana, Jamie Chadwell over at Coastal Carolina, but being able to see the Sun Belt grow and we've got into the conference realignment of where that puts the Sun Belt right below the G5 or right below the P5 rather. I think this is just another step in that for the Sun Belt and for Georgia Southern. It's a monumental step because I think this was a key hire for Georgia Southern. It's been a tough year, three and seven. There's no two ways about it for the Eagles, but being able to get back on the right track, have somebody that this fan base is 110% bought into, which, when you get all of Georgia Southern's fan base pointed in the right direction, one, that's a feat in and of itself. But being able to have that support behind him, I think, is absolutely huge. Well, I think it speaks volumes not only to your program, but also, like you said, to the Sun Belt, that you can get a guy like uh, like Clay Helton to come in from, uh, uh, you know, South, South Carolina shoots, <laughs> Southern Cal, you know, and just, just bringing in coaches like that into – 
maybe a lesser simp, uh, 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 maybe to a lesser extent, uh, even uh, Terry Bowden up at, at, up at ULM. I know Terry's on the downside of his career, but at the same time, Terry has re-energized that program, and they've been kind of fun to watch for a team that that I really don't pay much attention to. I've kind of watched them a little bit more this year. So, uh, yeah, fun. he's somebody that it's not necessarily somebody from LA being transplanted into the Southeast. He's a Southeast guy. He's worked at Duke. He's worked at Memphis. He's born in Gainesville, Florida, and so he's a Southeast guy that kind of got transplanted to USC and to LA. Now he was out there for a little over a decade, but he's a Southeast guy has strong ties to the Southeast really recruited the Southeast hard when he was at USC and you're already starting to see the recruiting side of it right around the Statesboro area. There've been a lot of offers that he's handed out in the last couple of days after he got on the road for the first time, got to see high school football playoffs that started last week in the state of Georgia, but being able to see him kind of put, he talks about you put a 250 mile radius around Statesboro and you've got a whole lot of talent in that area. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously you brought up the Gainesville, born in Gainesville, but played at Auburn, played at Houston, is a, is a former quarterback at both of those universities. And I think that that says a whole lot right there. Sharp head to be on the shoulders. I don't care if you are the third string or the fourth string uh, guy, the quarterback on the uh, on the on the team. You got to have a pretty sharp head to to be able to to play quarterback. So, yeah, and he's somebody that has been known for developing the quarterbacks. You look at somebody like Sam Darno that he's recruited, developed, and everything at USC. There's been a couple of different guys throughout his tenure, especially at quarterback, but a couple of running backs as well that are in the NFL. And so he's definitely somebody that's going to recruit and then develop. That's exactly what you need for Sunbelt Conference. Well, good deal. Before we move on to Sunbelt Conference football, though, let's let's take a step back to last week. Georgia Southern Eagles, the ladies are, are in Auburn for women's basketball. You've got the call of the game. How exciting was that to be on the road and, and beat a, a, an SEC team? That was a lot of fun. I can tell you that much. It was a it was something that I think this team needed um, after a couple of tough years the last few years of being able to go into Auburn. And it's an Auburn team that historically has Sorry about that, Colin. Uh, little internet issues on my side again, which I've been through the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there, but uh, you froze up or I froze up. I'll just call it my bad. And uh, you said a Auburn team that usually, and then you, so if you wouldn't mind repeating that, I apologize. No, it's an Auburn team that usually has not been very good the last few years. Um, they had lost their previous 17 games coming into that one. They did win the other night against Alabama A&M to snap that long streak. But under first-year head coach Johnny Harris, who was a longtime top assistant in the SEC, but has done really well kind of rebuilding that program. But to have Georgia Southern come in, knock them off 68-66, the biggest thing you take away from that game if you're Georgia Southern, there were a couple of different points in that game that in years past would have been kind of an implode for Georgia Southern. You had an offensive foul not go your way, and you're going to get those calls in the SEC. 
towards the tail end of the second quarter, but Georgia Southern responded at the beginning of the second half. And for the first time, the arena kind of came to life late in the game when a couple of big and ones and then a three from a post player who doesn't take threes, let alone make them. And so you had a couple of different opportunities where Georgia Southern had been easy just to pack it in and say, mm, gave it a shot. But Georgia Southern responded on every occasion. And you haven't really seen that for Georgia Southern the last few years. They're really good to see for this team. Well, you know, I, th I think there were two good wins for uh, some Bell Conference teams, women's teams last week. The Cajuns defeated Rice, who won the uh, WNIT last year. And I believe the Cajuns lost pretty big to them last year. So hopefully uh, the Cajuns uh, women basketball program has taken another step for forward under Coach Broadhead. So congratulations to the Georgia Southern Eagles, the ladies women's basketball team, and to the Cajuns basketball, women's basketball. Colin does the play-by-play -play for uh, women's basketball at Georgia Southern. So, unfortunately, I will not see him when he's here because uh, I'll be on the road with baseball. But it'll be fun. Uh, you always have a good time and always uh, have a place to eat or two. I know that. So, Yeah, Josh, uh, Josh Brunner always takes care of us when we come down to Louisiana. Good deal. Josh is a good man. So... All right, let's move on to last week and some of the news around the Sun Belt before we take our break. Um, first of all, let's talk about uh, Grayson McCall. What What do you, I mean, lots of things. He's out for the season. He's day-to-day. -day, he's week-to-week. -week, he's month-to-month. -month. I mean, uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it came out leading into the Georgia Southern game two weeks ago that he wasn't going to be able to play against us and the way that they phrased it was he was out indefinitely so nobody really knew what that kind of looked like for coastal carolina then they go and lose to georgia state which kind of puts app state in the driver's seat for the eastern division of the sunbelt conference with coastal now with two losses app with just one and so now you start to wonder because they were talking about maybe you get him back for texas state this coming week maybe you hold him off and if Coastal is able to kind of glide into a Sunbelt Conference championship game appearance. That's when he comes back. But I think now if you're Coastal Carolina, you're thinking, okay, do we try to rush him back for Texas State or do we hold him out until maybe a bowl game or what does that look like and what's in your best interest going forward? So I'm, I haven't heard what's going to happen. Um, really and truly, I would kind of be surprised if they rushed him back for Texas State this week. But uh, but crazier things have happened. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, let's face it, Texas State has not been a very good football team most of the year, so I, I wouldn't expect it. Um, we're going to get into it a little, a little bit later in the second half, but App State at Troy, which is going to be a tough game, I believe, but I still, still do think, and I don't want to – we'll talk about it in the second half. And then their final game, though, against Georgia Southern, uh, two weeks from now, which is which is always a game that you guys have, even when you haven't been, I won't say very good, but a down year, you've been able to uh, be able to beat them up there. Uh, so it's it's always always fun to watch the, those game that rivalry game especially. So uh, yeah, I like that it's back at the end of the year on a Saturday. Last year was kind of the first year that happened, and it was kind of a not planned deal but because of COVID cancellations and everything it ended up being that but I really like having App State at the end of the year because more often than not that game means something to at least one if not both teams when it comes to standings was 
Do you think there'll be a lot of Georgia Southern fans to make the trip since it's over Thanksgiving Day weekend? I think so, especially with it's about a six-hour drive from Statesboro, um, a little bit less for the Eagle fans up in Atlanta. So I, I think there there's always a good crowd up at Boone. Good deal, good deal. Uh, anything else going on in the Sun Belt? I know you kind of briefly touched on it um, with, with with last week's games, but let's let's spend a few minutes though because I I didn't get to see the games last weekend except for the Cajuns game. I was over at a friend's house eating crab, boiled crabs. So I didn't get to see anything but the, the Cajuns game. But your game at uh, Texas State, I love going to St. Marcos. I love the food there as much as uh, the Cajuns. I love the atmosphere. It's a fun town to be in. Um, what was your thoughts on your visit there in, in the game, I guess? Yeah, I, that's one of my favorite trips outside of coming to Louisiana. But it was uh, – <laughs> It was kind of an ugly ball game. Both teams had a kick block. Georgia Southern had a punt block for a touchdown to end the first half for the second straight week. And it was a great – anything that you could think of when you dive into oddities of what football rules are, you definitely put the referee crew to the test, and they passed most of them. But Georgia <laughs> Southern squeaks out with a 38-30 victory and a really good job. Cam Ransom started the game, the freshman quarterback, who's got the strong arm for Georgia Southern, started the game. He gets injured towards the middle of the ball game. But Justin Tomlin, who had been the starter for much of the season, comes back in and really tries to lead Georgia Southern and does so with 21 points in the second half and a really good job of Georgia Southern trying to fight through adversity. You had another eagle carted off the field on a back and a stretcher. Luckily, Gerald Green comes back. It's just a concussion. Everything's all right with him. But having to fight through a lot in that game, but able to come out with a 38-30 victory, especially on the road, which hasn't been kind to Georgia Southern this year, was huge. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, I will not ask you to comment, though I will brief, briefly men mention it, unless you would like to comment, but it, Georgia State beating Coastal is like ULM beating uh, Louisiana Tech or, or LSU for us, and I have no desire to see ULM do either one of those things. Well, actually, I would like them to beat Louisiana Tech to shut the little uh, dog killer's mouths up there in Ruston. I've, I've got no loss for them. Talk about a bunch of whiny, arrogant son of a guns. I mean, you think of some of the stuff that they put up recently on their page. They've got one of these guys talking about that SMU shouldn't even be hosting their baseball tournament. Well, two things there. SMU is not even in their conference, A. And B, SMU is doesn't even have a baseball team, so they're not hosting there. I think they meant Southern Miss, but they, uh, they're, there's, they're, they're morons. So that's all I can say about them. Uh, and, I, don't know. And, I think we need to add a segment to the podcast of you just talking about Louisiana Tech. Oh, I mean, it's ridiculous. Some of this. Let me see if I can pull something up here real quick. Uh, I've, I mean, talk about whiny uh, in everything. Oh, here it is. I've got my folder actually up. I call it, uh, it it's Leturd, T-U-R-D, <laughs> and, um, and, and the, the Misfits. What does, doesn't make sense to me is the only school in our proximity is proximity legacy wise are rice and usm why would any league choose the others over us because you guys are idiots it doesn't make sense we are also superior to most academically really 
Yeah, and they wonder why they've tried to destroy every conference they've been into. UA, UAB shouldn't even have a football team after what they did. It wasn't UAB's fault that they, they canceled football. It was their board, which is part of the Alabama system. So shut up and just go away. No one, I'm done. So uh, let's take our break and then we'll come back and talk this week in the sun. We'll look at the standings and talk this week in the sun. Belt. You're listening to We're Talking with Craig Molossan and Colin Lacey. Coming to you almost live. Well, we're not dead, so I guess we are live. Welcome back into We're Talking. Craig Molossan, Colin Lacey of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Colin, let's, let's look at the Sunbelt Conference standings on the east side. Um, App State at 5-1, Coastal at 4-2, and two, Georgia State at 4-2, and two, Troy 3-3, three and three, Georgia Southern 2-5. and five. I think the biggest shock to me right now is, especially after the way they started the season, is Georgia State. I know you're not a fan, and, and we could both ran on them uh, a lot, but a little shocking to you or a whole lot shocking to you? Uh, yes and no. You thought that Georgia State was going to be a little bit better this year. I don't know that you expect them to be third in the – or I guess tied for second in the conference. That sounds terrible with Coastal Carolina, but I thought Troy was going to be better. I thought Troy would end up taking that third spot in the East, but uh, Troy's close. It's just a matter of what happens with their coaching staff coming up at the end of the year, but Georgia State, about where I thought they'd be, maybe a game or two off, um, but it's what it is. The most surprising part is they're tied with Coastal Carolina, which sounds awful. Well, here's the thing that I just realized, though. You know, everybody's talking about that if App State loses their last two games, that Coastal Carolina would be in the championship game. That's not true. If App State loses their last two games and Georgia State wins their last two games, Georgia State is in the championship game, having the head-to-head win over uh, Coastal. I don't know what happens in the case of a three-way tie. Uh, Well, App State will have beaten both of them, so it, it is what it is there. So... Uh, yeah, I don't need you to talk all. Yeah, talk about all that. <laughs> You're the professional. You can't go on rants like I do. But that was a very nice mumble underneath your breath there. That we don't need to be talking about Georgia State any more than we have to right now. Let's just move on from there. Uh, yeah, let's move I, along, Craig. I think the biggest surprise to me, though, uh, I, I agree with you. I thought Georgia State. We expected them to be better. They did not show it their first two games. They finally started playing football game at all. But to me, uh, a little bit of a surprise there is Troy. Uh, I just don't get that team right now. I just, I, I, well, I do. After watching the Cadence game, I really just don't think they have the depth. Uh, at, uh, uh, I think they've got a very good uh, front on the defensive side, but there is no depth there, and we were able to wear them down. So, uh you know, there was a lot of talk, uh, especially from Cajun fans. We've, we've been pulling for the teams in the West to, to beat the teams in the East because the talk before the conference, uh, before the, the season started was, well, you know, the Cajuns are in the West. They don't, you know, the teams in the West are the worst teams. And, and I'm like, well, really, are they? And I'm, I'm looking and I'm picking and I'm going like, but, you know, it's kind of hard to say that the West is really not very good except for the Cajuns at seven and zero. Texas state two and four South Alabama, two and five ULM two and five and Arkansas state one and five. Um, 
that's not a very good side of the conference. So let's let's be perfectly honest. So. No, and when you're Louisiana, you've handled your business, but you still have five more conference wins than anybody else in the your side of the West. I think it shows what everybody was talking about before the beginning of the season. And you and I talked about it a couple of times. You thought Texas State was going to be much better. You thought South Alabama was on the track to be much better. I think Arkansas State might be the most surprising part of that because you thought they were close to getting back. And Butch Jones, at the beginning of the season, thought you had them going in the right direction. But then they realized they can't tackle or won't (laughs) tackle, I should say. And – so now you've got Texas State second in the West at three and seven overall. They've had a couple of good wins against Western Division teams. The four overtime win against South Alabama, the win two weeks ago against ULM. But I really thought South was going to be much better than they were. I thought Arkansas State was going to be a lot better than what they were. And kind of weird to say, but ULM is kind of ahead of schedule with what they've been doing. Yeah, that that's I think is to me is actually the most surprising after not only going over last year, but never leading in a game last year. Uh, Terry Battle and, and Rich Rodriguez up there have done a wonderful job, in my opinion, and much respect to them, which pains me to say. But as you know, um, you know, South Alabama is is, again, one team that you mentioned that I mentioned that I mentioned that you meant no. Uh, you know, there are two remaining games at Tennessee and then hosting Car- uh, Coastal Carolina. They need one of the two to get bowl eligible. Do you, do you see that happening? Can they beat Tennessee? Can they beat Coastal? I think it depends if Coastal has Grayson McCall or not. I think if they've gotten Grayson McCall and he's anywhere close to 100%, I don't know that it happens. If they have don't have Grayson McCall, I think it's possible. But really and truly, it's kind of what we've talked about with Texas State. With South Alabama, it depends on which team shows up. The team that Georgia Southern saw a couple of weeks ago, they could beat anybody. But the team that shows up and doesn't, it's a matter of who you got on the other side. And so I, uh, for the people that we like down at South Alabama, which it might be few and far between for some, (laughs) but – for, for a couple of people down there, I hope they do. Yeah, I understand completely. Let's move on to this weekend schedule uh, then and talk about some of these games. Texas State at Coastal Carolina. Uh, I, I, I think Coastal could put in their third string back up and still beat Texas State at this point. Texas State hasn't, especially in the last five games, haven't showed me anything that they, they, they can beat anybody. Um, yeah, it's it's a struggle down in San Marcos and you were hoping that coach Spavadol would have them a little bit better after a complete overhaul of the roster going to the transfer portal. But it, uh, it's not exactly what everybody was looking for down in San Marcos still have an opportunity to have the most wins that they've had since 2014. They haven't had a four win season since 2014. And so you're trying to take baby steps in the right direction at this point. So it'll, uh, It'll be it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, Arkansas State at Georgia State. I mean, uh, Georgia State recently has been in a couple of shootouts. Arkansas State likes to to throw the ball around and can get down the field, but like you said, snakes can't tackle. No one's going to be able to. If you don't have, if you don't wrap up, you're not going to tackle. 
does Arkansas State have a chance against Georgia State? I know what you want to say. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I know. It pains me to say this, but I don't think so. Uh, the way yeah. that Georgia State's been going, especially with Tucker Gregg being how he is at running back, just so good at breaking tackles, it's not a good mix for Arkansas State that doesn't tackle well anyway. And so I think this might be a runaway for Georgia State. Gotcha. Um, awful okay. considering they're at Turner Field with the train horn. Yeah, and, and that may be going off a lot this weekend. Uh, App State at Troy. I, I think this is a game, again, I think Troy will hang in the first half and, and, and App State will probably pull away. App State is, is a pretty doggone good team. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one, like you said, Troy is going to hang around a little bit. I'm kind of surprised that App is only a 10-point favorite in this one. But uh, it's one that I think App should handle. But if Troy is able to knock Appalachian State off, it definitely makes the Sunbelt Conference East a little bit more entertaining. Yeah, I think it's one of those, those uh, with App being on the road, I think that's why it's, it's at 10. I think if they're at home, it's a 14. It's a 15-point favorite there for them if not even a little bit more. So um, our, our next two games, two, two teams that are traveling to, to SEC land, South Alabama to Tennessee. Uh, I'm not going to say South Alabama has a chance, but they're not playing a team that is the top tier of the SEC by any means. I know um, what's his name at, at Ole Miss. Uh, no, was it? Was a, well, Lane Kiffin, I think, picked Tennessee to beat Georgia last week, which we knew wasn't going to happen. So, but it, it still gives us time, a chance to talk. Yeah, I mean, I think South Alabama might stay in this game for a little while, but I think Tennessee, at the end of the day, runs away with it, especially up in Knoxville. It's a, it's a tough place to play up there. Well, is that a game that, that, that let's say – Tennessee might be looking past just coming off of a, a, a loss to Georgia. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they've got Vanderbilt as their last game. So it's not like they're exactly uh, uh, got, you know, it's, it's not like they're playing uh, Auburn uh, or I should say LSU or Georgia, the uh, Alabama or Georgia, the last game of the season. So I don't think they're looking past a Vanderbilt, but at the same time, they took a little beat down on Georgia, against Georgia. Yeah, and you can look at it one of two ways. You either are kind of wounded after that one, or you're just a little ticked off and want to take some frustration out on the South Alabama team. Yeah, that's true. And they'll probably get a lot of guys in there to play and start looking for next year. Uh, the last uh, SEC matchup uh, against the Sun Belt is ULM at LSU. As much as I hate both schools, LSU is such is still a superior team, as bad as they are right now. And uh, I would not want to face them still because I think they do have some great athletes at, at the school, no matter what you think of them, as much as I don't like them personally. So you'll let them have a chance? <laughs> I don't see it. I really don't. I mean – being able to be at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge down in Death Valley a couple of years ago when Georgia Southern opened, I just remember that right before kickoff, when they started singing Colin Baton Rouge, all three of us in the booth looked at each other and said, all right, buckle up, boys. It's one of those things that, you know, 
Louisiana Tech, the Cajuns, and ULM have never beaten LSU in football, and I sure as heck don't want it to be ULM to be the first one. <laughs> so, um, I don't. I mean, lots of things will have to change. So let's move on from that. Uh, my favorite game. I really of the week. think it'd be funny if you had uh, LSU win their last two, and then Louisiana and LSU matched up in a bowl game. I think that'd be a lot of fun. It would be. I'm not sure I want that personally because uh, <laughs> I do think uh, they at this point they I, I was and it's kind of strange to state, but I've been pulling for them uh, since they announced the firing of Ed Ogeron. Not that I'm an Ogeron fan, but I just wanted him to win out the rest of the games and let them see how stupid they are firing their coach with five games left in the season. And if they've got that much money to throw around, hey, state legislature, look at them. Why are we giving them ac- money for academics? But that's a whole nother issue we'll, we won't go into <laughs> because I can go on a rant there too. So back to my favorite game of the week, Louisiana at Liberty. Um, did you, have you guys played Liberty in the last couple of years? Played them in the Cure Bowl back in 2016. I believe. Okay, so it's been a few years, and they've, they've, I think since that time, they've, they've probably excelled a little bit more and had a lot more national recognition that they probably did at that point. Uh, have you gotten to watch them play much? I know they played several Sunbelt teams, uh, and I think several Sunbelt teams on a weeknight, which might have been a, might, might have given you the opportunity to look at them. Yeah. And I lied, it was 2018 when we played them in the Cure Bowl. But it's, it's a Liberty team. I know they've got Malik Willis at quarterback, who at one point in the season was the top-rated quarterback in the country. But right after that ranking came out, he goes and loses to ULM. And so it's uh, – I don't know. I, Liberty kind of rubbed Georgia Southern and Georgia Southern fans the wrong way when they matched up in the Cure Bowl. So I'm always cheering against Liberty. So it – uh. I'm a big Cajun fan as always tonight or uh, this weekend. Well, thank you. Uh, it, it is. It's it's one of those things that you, you you would think that they were one of the blue bloods of college football or something at times, you know. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things that um, I, I'm just, I mean, like you said, they lost to Syracuse. I believe they uh, had a field goal blocked at the end of the game or missed at the end of the game. Uh, they Troy played them pretty tough. Um, what was the other game? Oh, like you said, ULM beat them. Uh, North North Texas played them pretty tough, but you know, lost to Ole Miss. Which, let's face it, I, I don't um, is, is a top twenty five team, so it's kind of hard to judge on that game. So, um, my hope is the Cajuns play well and, and come out victorious. Uh, and even if they don't play well, I hope the Cajuns come out victorious as, as usual. So. All right. Um, well, their quarterback, do you think he's a, a, a – watching him play, do you think he's a – you think he's one of the best three quarterbacks in the draft this year? I don't know all the quarterbacks that are seniors, though, or that are coming out. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see it. I know he's got the numbers over 2,100 passing yards, 21 touchdowns on the year, 
I just don't see it translating to the next level. I think he's a really good college quarterback, but there's been a lot of really good college quarterbacks that haven't worked out in the NFL. Uh, and so I, I don't know that it translates to the next level. I think he is perfect for what Liberty does. Hugh Freeze did a fantastic job developing him. I just don't see it translating to the next level. Well, the thing that the, – he, here's why I brought it up, because the thing that uh, you you can go to is that he, he tends to get sacked a lot. Um, I don't know if that's him or the offensive line. And then he throws quite a bit of interceptions. I don't see him – personally, I don't see him as a first-round draft choice. I no. think that's a big stretch. Think, yeah, and I think – and I haven't watched a whole heck of a lot of them, but the little bit I have, I go back to – they had the football with about a minute and a half left against ULM in a game where it was either tied or down by one or two. And all they needed was to drive down the field, get within field goal range, and they win the game. What's he do on his first play from scrimmage? Throws an interception to ULM. And that's not downplaying ULM by any stretch, but if you're going to be a first-round draft choice, if you're going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the country – you have to at, le- at least lead that drive to be a field goal, if not a touchdown, in my opinion. For a team that you're supposed to be better than, a team that on paper you're supposed to dominate, if you have the opportunity to have a game-winning drive, you have to do it. I want to say that they were a 30-point favorite in the game. And yeah. then even, even coming out after halftime, I think it was lower to like a 28 or a 26 point favorite, but still ULM goes out and scores 28 unanswered in the third quarter. And I won't say, did they hang on? Yeah, they kind of did, but at the same time they intercept, they were able to intercept him at the end of the game after, after their kicker was able to kick uh, a career high 53 yard field goal. So um, I just, I hope the Cajuns aren't underestimating them, but you know, Nick, Nick White and I had a conversation a few weeks ago and uh voice of the ULM Warhawks. Uh, Nick had the, his, his color guy said, you know, after Nick said 53 yard field goal did his thing and the, and the color guy goes, yep. And that would have been good from 54, you know, I think was one of the best lines of the night. So, uh, Happy for Nick and the guys up there uh, that called the game. But uh, I, I just – if he's supposed to be all that and a slice of bread too, he – he, I don't think he's shown it necessarily this year. So, no. now, doesn't mean he, he's not going to come out and throw all over and run all over the cage. And so, I better – I'm going to shut my mouth at this point. So, <laughs> final game of the weekend, BYU at Georgia Southern. Um, I know it's, uh, let me, how, how do I say this? Is BYU the BYU of old or is it BYU Georgia Southern's got a chance? I hate to say it, but I think it's BYU is BYU of old and BYU is the real deal. It just came out in the college football playoff rankings last night. And then number 14, I think the AP has them at 14. USA coaches poll has them at 15. But it'll be the highest-ranked opponent ever to come into Paulson Stadium in a roundabout way. It's a Power 5 opponent coming to Paulson since they just got the invitation to the Big 12 starting in 23, I believe. 
But Jaron Hall at quarterback is really, really good. We talked about it on the podcast earlier. Reminds me a lot of Levi Lewis. He's got the athletic, but the biggest part that he brings is not making mistakes. And his football IQ is off the charts. Tyler Algier at running back, maybe the best running back to ever come into Paulson Stadium for an opponent. 17 rushing touchdowns through 10 games, over 1,100 yards through 10 games. He's the real deal and runs with a lot of just ticked off in him. They are going to be without a couple of different guys that were key players. Puka Nuku is one of their receivers, 34 receptions on the year for over 700 yards. He's going to be out with an injury, and so you're going to have a couple of dings and dangs. They played 10 straight weeks to start the year. They're coming off a bye week, but that was their first off week of the season. So it's going to be uh, going to be interesting to see what BYU does coming in. They're coming in tomorrow, actually. So they'll come in on Thursday for the Saturday game to get adjusted to Eastern time coming in. I think it's just over 2,100 miles out to Provo, Utah. But uh, it's uh, it's supposed to be a sellout at Paulson Stadium. I know there's going to be a lot of BYU people. I think we were talking about it yesterday in an external meeting that there was close to 2,000 tickets bought by the Atlanta chapter by BYU alumni, about 1,700 more from Charlotte or some other area. So there's going to be a lot of BYU people, a lot of Georgia Southern people, and it's going to be a really good atmosphere on Saturday. Well, I, I was pulling for Coastal last year in the BYU game for, for uh, mainly because I wanted a, a rematch against the Cajuns. And as we know, the, the COVID chickens decided not to uh, play the game. So uh, I, at that point, I wish, and, and I was pulling for Liberty uh in in the uh bowl game against coastal because of the chickens but um i will be pulling really for georgia, georgia southern. southern i really hope georgia southern can go up to boone and knock off app state next week just for the sheer fact that it would help coastal carolina get into the championship game and have to play all well the only way that i see the only way that happens is if if app loses two games now yeah so troy has to beat app and Georgia Southern has to beat App, I think. Yes. I don't know. That's, that's why the world created SIDs to yeah, tell us. Yeah, App State would have to lose two games at this point. So, and then, then and, 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 and Georgia State would have to lose another game, which they have. They're at Arkansas State and. Or actually. And they host Troy. Actually, I think App only has to lose one because if they end up tied, Coastal owns the tiebreaker. No. App beat them head-to-head. That's right. That's what that little W means. Yes. (laughs) And they beat Georgia State head-to-head if all teams were tied. So they have to lose both games. So um, uh, I – I know you hate App State right now, but I just want Coastal Carolina sitting on the sidelines going like, what could have been? What could have been? Well, you know what could have been? You should have played last year, you punks, with your bad hairdos and your ignorant-ass coach that wants to talk shit and your little Teddy, Teddy, I'll play anywhere in a Wendy's parking lot. Well, you didn't show up that night, you little prick. So, all right. 
that's enough. Any last words of wisdom uh, as it goes to these this weekend's game or anything else around the Sun Belt or college football in general that you think is exciting that's going on right now? You mentioned the college football playoff um, uh, rankings, which are a total farce. You know, people sitting in a back room and, well, we know uh, Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, but, you know, just the eye test says that, that Cincinnati's not as good as Notre Dame. You know, screw you bastards. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, eventually they're going to have to put a G5 team in the college football playoff one. And if I'm them and you're trying to prove to everybody that the G5 doesn't deserve it, if that's what you think, put them in just because you think they're going to get beat. But not putting them in is more of, okay, well, why aren't you? If it's not going to matter, then why don't you? Just to shut everybody up in your opinion. Here's here's what I think happens because they like to play these games and we've seen it through the years where they move this team from number two to number four, then back to number three, then back to number two. I think in the last week, they're going to put Cincinnati in the playoffs if Cincinnati does not lose any of their remaining games. And then they're going to say, you see, these these early rankings don't mean anything. It's, it's what the last week in and, and we did it. So, but here's the thing they want to say, you know, that, you know, well, they couldn't hang with this team or that team. We saw an Oklahoma team get beat by 40 or 50 points. We've seen other blowout games. So what's the difference if, if it's, if it's a, P, a G5 school that gets in there, it gets blown out. We've seen the P5 schools get blown out who were supposedly the top four teams in the country. Uh, it's a joke. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, eventually you have to put a G5 team in. And I think if you're going to do it, this is the year to do it with a Cincinnati team because everybody's always talked about, well, this team, even though they're undefeated, they didn't really play anybody. You can't say that about Cincinnati. They beat number nine at the time, Notre Dame. The week before, they went to Indiana and beat them. It, there's not a whole lot you can say. And they've pretty well dominated every other game. It was a one-possession game against Tulsa a one-possession game against Navy. But outside of that, it's been pretty dominant. And so, again, depending on what happens, this week they've got SMU. Next week they've got at East Carolina. So, assuming it continues the trend, I almost think you have to put them in. I think they're going to be in. I think they're trying to stir controversy. They're trying to make themselves relevant by doing it this way, get people talking. I think – that part of it's good for college football, but at the same time, I think in the end, as long as Cincinnati doesn't lose, I think Cincinnati is in. Um, I, I would, you know, one of these three teams that are in the top seven that are in the Big Ten will be dropped out because uh, because of I, I think in the uh, uh, in the Big Ten championship game. I, I I don't know enough about the Big Ten right now to judge so. Well, anything else before we bid ourselves adieu? That's it. It was a lot of fun as always, and uh, looking forward for another good week of college football. It's going to be, like I said, big Cajun fans this week against Liberty. Well, same to you guys. Uh, go out and beat some BYU behind. I didn't realize that they were, uh, you know, it's it's kind of amazing. They're at 14 at 8-2, and two, and you got a uh, – a Mississippi State team that's six and four at twenty-five. I'm like, seriously, 
you want us to take you serious and then you do things like that give me a break so all right colin i've ranted enough today about several teams i probably shouldn't have and a couple that needed a little bit more ranting but hey we always have fun so uh, i would say safe travels but you're just probably walking across the street to the stadium uh for this weekend's game so <laughs> yeah it's fantastic all right man you're listening to we're talking craig malonson colin lacy we'll be back next week with our sunbelt updates and uh hopefully we have good news for cajun fans and uh georgia southern fans uh this coming weekend any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited except Ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.